0: Hi, this is Dr. John Ankerberg. I invite you to dig into God's Word today with my dear friend, the late Dr. Wayne Barber, as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible. My friend, you can't have it any other way. When you're at peace with God, it's automatically war with the world. Look in James chapter 5. Hold your finger down. in Matthew 5. James 5, verse 10, 11. The Word, it comes up again. Makarios. Verse 10, James chapter 5. It says, Take my brethren, the prophets. Now look at what he's saying. Who has spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering affliction. It said, you want an example? Look at the prophets. And of patience. Behold, we count them happy. Oh, tragic. That's word is blessed. Same word we're talking about in Matthew 5. Which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy now the prophets were persecuted now a lot of folks really do think this it's going to be a sweet life on this earth no sir it's going to be war from the time you're saved to the time you die anything else is somehow shortchanging a message that god says is truth all right but not only that we know the early church was persecuted and you know the persecutions of nero and during the reign of caesar They would take the Christians out, they would put animal skins over them and put them in the arena and the lions would attack them and eat them. And and a Caesar would take them and dip them in vats of oil and put them up on post and use them, light them and use them for torches for his parties at night. You know, they've been there. And today in the 20th century, we think no persecution is going on. No, that's because we live in a complacent society where we don't understand commitment, we don't understand covenant, we don't understand persecution. You go to Romania, you go to Russia, you go to any of these communist countries today and persecution is bad if not worse than what we've ever known recorded is going on right today. There are Christians today that are starving in some prison because they love Jesus. And here we are in America sitting here and the biggest problem we have during the summertime is if the air conditioner goes out and we call that sacrifice. Friend, listen, persecution is something God said is absolutely at one with your walk with Jesus. It bothers me sometimes When the world likes us, Luke says, woe when the world thinks well of you. Woe unto you when the world thinks well of you. Now, when we come to the word and we start walking and living the word, then the world is not going to think well of us and persecution will come. So the reality of persecution, I just want you to know it's part of your walk. There's no way around it. second thing is that's why I talked on blessed before I talked on persecution. (laughs) Second thing about it. Is the reason for persecution. Now we've already established the fact that when you make peace with God, you declare war on the world. Look in Matthew chapter 10. And we read these verses last Sunday night, but let's go back over them for a minute and see how that Jesus brings a sword. And when the angel made the announcement, peace on earth, he wasn't talking about the fact that nations would live together peacefully. That's going to come when Jesus comes back himself. He'll establish that he was talking about it's possible on earth for man to be absolutely at one with God and to walk in cooperation with Him. Now, Matthew chapter 10 and uh, verse 34 first. It says, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Do you realize that? Much of the persecution that you'll receive in this life may come from your own family. In verse 16 through 18. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. And they will scourge you in their synagogues. Why would they do this? For all we're doing is preaching Jesus. That's right. But they're not at peace with Him. They're at peace with the world. And the two can't coexist. Verse 18, it says, And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. There's those words again. For a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Look with me in verse 21. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So we understand the reason for persecution is the fact that people cannot take it. If they're not at peace with God, they cannot stand a life that is. For there's war that automatically has been created. Now a person at peace with God, make sure you understand, has abandoned himself to God, walks obedient to God's Word. That's what we mean when he's at peace with God. Now, I want to go back through the Beatitudes and show you how this thing works out. And how the persecution starts the moment you choose to be helpless, poor in spirit. In verse 3 of Matthew 5, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. All right, the moment you choose to be poor in spirit, your persecution starts. Now, that kind of persecution normally comes from the religious world. For the religious world says you don't have to be poor in spirit. You can get there on your own. That's what religion is, man trying to get to God. That's all over the world. We were in Brazil, and there were these great cathedrals. And people's works were were put all in those cathedrals. And their doctrine is that a man can get there himself. They worship a suffering Savior. We worship a resurrected Lord. But when you decide to be poor in spirit, war, and usually from the religious people first because they think that's ridiculous. You mean to tell me you can't get there on your own? Why, we've been doing it for years. That's where it'll come from. When you're poor in spirit. Secondly, when you begin to mourn at sin, you know where your persecution is going to come from. That the world wants you to enjoy it, not cry over it. And matter of fact, they make their money based on the fact that you enjoy it. And when you mourn over it, you're not supporting them any longer. We were going to have a liquor store built across our church from from our church, not in our church. Excuse me, in front of our church in Jackson, Mississippi. And some of the people said, oh, no, a liquor store across the street from our pretty church. So we got our lawyers together and found out that you couldn't build one except for so many feet from a church building. And we went to court, and I went to watch a fight. I not know what was going on. They had all their lawyers there. They had their lawyers. We had our lawyers. And, folks, we lost. We lost bad. And they built that thing. We went back to the church and sat down. And one of the men in that committee said, you know what's wrong with us? And you know what the real indictment is in this whole situation? It's not that they're building the liquor store across the street. That's not the indictment. The world's going to be doing that till Jesus comes. The indictment against this whole community is, we did a survey several years ago. Out of 20,000 people, 16,000 said nominally they were Christian." And the indictment against this community and this church is not that they're going to build it, but the fact that these Christians, so-called, are going to support it and it's going to be there ten years from now. Folks, listen, when you mourn over sin, you don't support it. Not with your money, not with your time or anything else. How many Christians in America are pouring money into the very thing God says we are to be at war against? Now, friend, that'll go home with you. And if you don't think persecution is not going to come, you start mourning over sin. Because I'll tell you what comes from mourning is meekness. And that's when it's really going to hit you. All over Chattanooga, I've been noticing something here, and my little my little son noticed it yesterday. And it makes me angry. These signs about this interstate something cinema. And a a, a lewdly clad woman on it. They're all over this town. You know what? Satan flags his banners in front of us every time we go to work and we don't do one thing about it. My friend, when you get meek, you get angry, and you do something, and the world does not like that. That's why they don't like Jerry Falwell. I don't care what you think about Jerry Falwell. I'm going to pray for him till the day I die. He's got enough courage to stand up and do something. That's why Penthouse Magazine and all these other people took up several hundred thousands of dollars to get him off the air. That immediately told me he was right. You see what's wrong with us? We're not persecuted. We have learned to live coexisting with Satan in this world. That's what's wrong with us. We can't relate to verse 10. Our persecution is self-inflicted. doesn't come from a walk with God. Well, it says in verse 6, you're hungry and thirst for righteousness. You know what you're going to receive out of that? You're going to be called a fanatic. Or oh, they may call you a charismatic. Or they may call you a holiness. They may call you all kind of weird things. When you start hungry and thirst for righteousness, friend, people around you cannot stand it. They can't stand it. And friend, it's going to hurt you, and I've been hurt, and I know what I'm talking about. Your friends are going to turn on your back. Or turn their back on you. And friend, listen, that's when It hurts. When the only thing you're doing, the only thing you're guilty of, is loving the very Lord who died for you. And the reason they turn on you is because they reject Jesus being king of their life. They can't stand it. That's what he told Samuel when Samuel hung his head that day. He said, Samuel, relax, son. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me being the king over Israel. Well, then you're going to start showing mercy. You know what's going to happen to you then? They're going to take advantage of you. You look out. Every charlatan in the country. That's why I'm glad we're protected by discernment. That's one of the gifts God gives us, to know when and when not. I'm not not filling in all the blanks, just giving you an idea. Then you're going to decide to be pure in heart. And when you get pure in heart, you're going to start lining up your actions with your nature. (laughs) Brother, it's going to come. I had no idea it's going to do this to me. You know, this is really real, isn't it? This is really where we are. I wonder if I stopped right now and just asked how many of you are playing games with God. I wonder how many are. I love every one of you. But i tell you one thing. I'm not impressed by how good a person acts or how nice they are or how well they smile. And neither is God. I'm just asking, going to ask you a question. How much persecution really is yours today? How many people really revile you? Or do people say well of you? They like you. They got to both the best of both worlds. I really believe this is the key right here, this message. Because I believe this sermon will be nothing more than another series. If we don't understand, if this stuff is not in our life, God's saying something to us. Well, when you start being a peacemaker, you hang on. (laughs) Because when you try to get other people established in the same relationship you've got with God, they're going to slam doors in your face. Howard Seitz and Rick and Greg went out visiting not long ago in this community and they knocked on doors just at random. (laughs) All <laughs> oh, the sweet people that are in East Brainerd. Did you get in any of them, Greg? Not one. Not one let them inside their house. Oh, yes. Well, the final thing is, <laughs> has been persecuted. You see, by now you don't say, well, I'm going to be. You say, uh-uh, now I understand why I have been. That's the way it is. It starts on the first move. You see, that's, that's what he's speaking of. Verse 11 in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are ye when, men. That word when is, is a bad translation. It should be whenever. Inferring the fact that this persecution, even though you already have or are accustomed to it, is going to continue to recur. It says, Shall revile. That's aorist. That means it's not going to be a consistent thing. It's going, to, it's going to happen. It's going to reoccur, but you don't have to think of it. It's going to be every day, but it's going to come. Just hang on to that. It will occur. Now, there's a contrast to this. There's a lot of people who feel like they're being persecuted that really aren't. It's self-inflicted. And I didn't really see this until I got to studying this. There's a lot of people who stand up and tell how they've been persecuted and they've not really been persecuted, as the Scripture's talking about. They are self-inflicted. Their cause is not His righteousness, it's their righteousness. Now, let me just share a little bit of this with you so you won't lose me. Persecution never needs to be sought after. There's some people, because they're not persecuted, want to go out and get some, so they do something melodramatic and certainly bring the whole town down on top of them. There are rebels looking for a cause. This is what's hurt Jerry Falwell and people like that, So people trying to rally with him. I went to one of his rallies in Jackson, Mississippi, the only Southern Baptist preacher in the whole building, which was a shame. And I found out, man, there's a bunch of rebels sitting out there just wanting to be persecuted. they got a persecution complex. It's not for his righteousness, it's for their righteousness. And that's what's hurting these fellows. They're rallying in on it. He can't help that. You couldn't help it. But you see, a lot of people are getting persecution because they're stirring it up themselves. But it's not for him. It's for them. Let me ask you a question. How do you know whether or not the two are the same? Or or what's the difference? Well, first of all, do you feel everybody's criticizing you? Do you feel everybody's just on your case? (laughs) Well, chances are you overrate your importance. And you're doing it for yourself to start with. I have this terrible habit. You know, I, I just get so honest sometimes. I, I'm wondering when it's going to catch up with me. But I'm going to be honest with you, all right? I'm not made anything. I'm just up here. The Word's the authority, not me. But I, I'll go after the services many times. I'll say, now, Diana, how'd that sound? Well, I don't mean it like, it like I'm asking it. I'm just, she knows my spirit. and She knows when it's God. and She knows when it's Wayne, okay? But I've, I'm almost to the point now I'm going to quit doing that because I don't even want to know, <laughs> If I pray and ask God to do it, I'm just going to let her go and just trust God for the results. If I'm doing it for Him, who cares how it sounds? Well, everybody's on my case. Well, why are they on your case? You think too much of yourself to start with. You see? And it's your righteousness, not his to start with. Those questions I don't believe would even be there. I'm talking to me, so if you all get anything out of that, you're welcome. Secondly, you feel like you're pretty sharp in your knowledge. Pretty intelligent, aren't you? Isn't God glad to have you on His side? You ever feel that way? If anybody's got a question, boy, just ask me. I'll tell them. i got the answer. You're arrogant with it. And thirdly, do you make mountains out of (laughs) molehills? You ever been around folks that do that? Make mountains out of molehills. Let's look over First 1 Peter chapter 4. There's a molehill maker or a mountain maker over here. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 14 through 16. Now, he he really contrasts these two kinds of suffering real well in this context. I want you to see this. It says, now, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, blessed are ye. Okay, we just read that in Matthew 5. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Isn't that good? On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. And see what he's saying? You're going to be blessed. Now, watch the next verse. But let none of you suffer. First of all, as a murderer. Well, we can get out of that category real quick. Or as a thief or as an evildoer. Now watch. Or as a, what does your translation say? You say it to me. Busybody. Oh, that's not in the Bible. Is that in the Bible? Is it? A busybody in other men's affairs. Don't suffer because of that. Why do some people, why are they persecuted? Because they can't keep their nose in their own business. They're always trying to figure out somebody else. And people revile them. And what do they do? They come before the altar and say, oh, I've been persecuted. That's not what he's talking about. Verse 17, for the time has come and judgment must begin at the house of God. Good night. If it's going to start anywhere, it better start with us. Well, I wanted you to see that a person who goes this route of self-righteousness, his problem is inward, not outward. But in verse 10 of our passage in Matthew 5, the word is passive, which means it has to come from outside. That's the only kind that qualifies for real persecution. And finally, we see the reality, which is we will, we have already been, we should have already been, and it will continue to come. We see the reason because we've made peace with God, because of that the world can't stand it. And thirdly, the reward of persecution in disciples' life. It says, theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, notice it says in verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The theirs there is the third person. It includes you and me. Do you know that? He includes everybody there. He's not referring just to his disciples that day. He's speaking to everyone who abides by these laws. And the kingdom is the territory where a king reigns. And when Jesus Christ is absolutely reigning in your life... Now, let me... Campus Crusade has ironically... And I've, erroneously, and I've used the same thing. It's not their fault, but they're trying to get a point across, but be careful. He is Lord, whether you make him Lord or not. You know, whether we choose to let him be Lord doesn't have a thing to do with the fact that he is Lord. You can't make him something he already is. But, in the sense of acknowledging, and this is what they're trying to do, and it's a very worthy effort of helping us to understand. In the effort of us acknowledging it, see, then we realize that his kingdom is going to be made manifest in our life. And when he's on the throne, the victory is is automatically there. King Jesus makes persecution a blessing rather than a curse. And first of all is he purifies our faith with pure persecution. Do you know that? That's the purifying fire of our faith. The word tribulation comes from a Latin word which means threshing sledge or flail. And here's what I'm saying. The sheaves, when they would bring them in, had to be beaten and bruised so the grain could be separated from the chaff. Oh, I I saw this. Listen, we've been given the righteousness of Christ. We're made righteous. Whether you can accept that or not, that's what God says. We've been made righteous. But listen, the golden grain of our righteousness is wrapped in a body of flesh. And that body of flesh has to be beaten and bruised in persecution. Separate the two. And I promise you one thing, you'll never know and understand and have manifested to you the benefits of righteousness until persecution has come. Then you'll know you're blessed. You'll know. And you can walk in it. Tribulation and persecution purifies and brings forth that righteousness. Paul says we're treasures in earthen vessels. Speaking of that mud that they put around a vessel. And when they got ready to get to see it, they would take a hammer and crack it. That's what persecution does for you and I. It breaks down that old flesh attitude and brings forth that which God has made us as His righteousness. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're about through. We're circling the field. The flaps are down. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 8. Gives you a good picture of how a person goes through persecutions. Beautiful. Marvelous contrast to how some. It says in verse 8, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Why would they not be distressed? (laughs) because internally they had the nature of God. That was His peace. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, there's the word, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Now look, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest, revealed in our body. (laughs) There it is. Second Corinthians twelve, let's look over there just a minute. Second Corinthians twelve, verse nine. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities. Glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches in necessities, and what's the next word? In persecutions. In distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's that persecution. God says we shall be blessed. Every act of persecution is proof of his kingdom in us. Every time you're persecuted, brother, you praise God. That's just one more proof of his kingdom is is working in you. He's on the throne. You're at peace. And war has been declared. Look with me in John 15. We're about through. John 15. Last scripture. John 15, verse 18. I just want to help you out. It says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. There it is. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world does what? Hateth you. Oh, the world doesn't hate me, I know. Or no, I don't know. But if it doesn't, you're sick or you're dead. Something's wrong in your life and you need revival to come back and be at peace with God again because the world can't stand it. Well, history has proven you can imprison the Christian, but you can't imprison Christianity. Isn't that good? You can put the Christian in prison, but you can't imprison Christianity. And the more we're persecuted. You know, one of these days, God's going to deal with the devil finally. He's dealt with him on the cross. And uh, I hadn't gotten into all that. We're studying life after death. We had not got that far yet. <laughs> but you know what? When that happens, there's one question ought to be asked. You dummy, didn't you realize the more persecution, all you did was further the cause of the gospel? That's what Paul said in Philippians 1.12. Because he was in prison, and said he has caused the furtherance of the gospel. You can imprison a Christian, but you can't imprison Christianity. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for my sake. Well, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I'm so grateful that we're not governed by the standards of men. For, Lord, if we were, we'd all be just simply seeking after vanity. For, Lord, we can fool everybody, but we can't fool you. And, oh, God, I pray that we would not live a lifestyle that was such a milquetoast commitment that the world would love us and the Christians would too. Oh, God, help us to remember Luke 6. Luke 6. Woe unto us when people think well of us. Lord, I realize that the Christians are going to love us, and that's the way you've you've made the body. And I realize, Father, we'll always have friends, and the friends will be real friends. But, Father, may they never be the world. May our stand bring forth your sword. And God, I thank you so much that we can walk at peace with you. Father, there's a lot in my life that needs working on. God, well, Father, I just want to thank you for what these Beatitudes have meant to my life. And Lord, help us to stop playing silly games, oh God, and be what you've asked us to be. Start with me, in Jesus' name. For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.